Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. So what this verse says, what Jesus did here is something you need to do. As you continue to witness to a person and you know they're playing games with you. Sometimes I'll have people come in the office and they got this list about this long of things. They're not seeking God. They're just trying to find answers to funny questions that somebody's given or whatever. And as I go through them, I can tell there's no sincerity at all. Do you know what I do? I don't waste my time with them. Why? Because their life is not open. I'll spend my time with somebody that's genuinely seeking God. There are churches today that operate from their own power, doing their own thing, all in the name of God, but without his authority. That's a weak church, and there's no truth in it. That's why Jesus was such a threat to the religious establishment in his time. His words and actions had power. That power revealed the impotence of those corrupt leaders. If a church is truly seeking after the Lord, taking instruction from the Word and focused on knowing the truth, it will be evidenced by the powerful witness it brings to people, changing lives in a real way. The church without His authority may be big and flashy, but will fall like a house of cards. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 27, for our continuing study entitled, Removing Mountains Through Prayer. God has ultimate authority and power. God has ultimate authority and power. Here's what you should feel. Safe, safe that God is in total control. Safe that God is in total control. And here's what you should do. Submit to God and his written word. Submit to God and his written word. Word. In our teaching today, we'll see that Jesus talks about authority and he talks about power. What does that mean? So before we go through the teaching, let me define those two terms for you and you can write them down. The first is, what does power mean in the spiritual sense? It means this, spiritual ability. Spiritual ability. Now what does the word authority mean? Here's what the authority mean. In the Greek, it's an interesting word called exousia, which means this, the lawful right to exercise power. The lawful right to exercise power, or as we would call it today, delegated power. Now, to bring you up to speed, for those of you that maybe are vacationing or haven't been with us in the last week or two as we're moving our way through the book of Mark, Jesus comes in, and this is his last week of life. He comes into the city of Jerusalem. He's looking around at Jerusalem and trying to get a picture of what's happening with the religious system. He finds the Jewish religious system very frustrating for him because indeed it has become a system with no life. It's outwardly fruitless and inwardly corrupt. 
When Jesus comes in to Jerusalem, he finds the temple area totally abused by the religious authorities. They were spiritually barren and had turned it into kind of a circus. The Jewish authorities were ripping off people as they tried to offer their sacrifices. They were ripping off people as they exchanged their money to pay the temple tax. And Jesus, like a religious policeman, said, Stop! I won't have any more of this. And he totally clears the temple. Now when he does that, obviously the Jewish authorities, the priests, the rabbis, the Sanhedrin, they had been angry with Jesus before. They are very angry now because he touches their pocketbook. But the other thing that they're noticing is, in Israel at that time, 2,000 years ago, the Jewish church had captured the authority over the people. The high priest, the rabbis, the Sanhedrin were controlling the people. They would tell you what to do and how to do it. They were no longer in submission to God. They had set up their own place of authority, very much like many churches are today. They've forgotten that God has ultimate authority. They're just doing their thing, and this is what Jesus saw. Now, as Jesus' ministry goes on, they watch something happen. The power that they have over the people is being usurped by Jesus. There's a transfer of power to Jesus away from them. So they're mad. They're angry. The Bible tells us, even in verse 18 of this same chapter, that they're looking for a way to kill Jesus. Now, when they see this thing happening, this authority and power... They bring Jesus to a place, and they're going to say to him, Tell us, where did you get the ability to do what you're doing? How do you teach? How do you do this? How do you do that? Let's look at the first two questions they asked Jesus in verse 27. And they arrived in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, And the elders, which was their authority now for the Jewish church, came to him. And here's the two questions they ask in verse 28. By what authority are you doing these things, they ask. And who gave you the authority to do this? Now, if you look at that word in verse 27, these things, initially that means the cleansing of the temple. In other words, who gave you the authority to come in here and just clean this place out? We're the authority. How dare you come in here and do that? But they're speaking broader than that. They're really asking him, who gave you the authority to teach our people? They're supposed to be coming to us, but they don't like our teaching anymore. They like your teaching. And the reason they liked his teaching was because God had given Jesus the teaching. The teaching that was coming from the church was void of power, had no life in it. Is that similar today? There was nothing to offer anything to the people. So that transfer of power again. When you and I, many of us work at different places, when you work today in the old days, they knew you by face. Today, you have to have your name badge and you have to have your name on there and maybe a little barcode and whatever to get you in your place. This is the first question they're saying to Jesus. They're saying to Jesus, basically, show us your credentials. Who gave you the right to teach? You didn't go to one of our rabbinical schools. You're not a high priest. You weren't trained under us. Who gave you the authority to come in here and teach? And then secondly, not only show us your badge and your ID, but 
since you have been doing this, who told you you could do it? We didn't tell you you could do it. Absolutely, we didn't tell you who could do it. Now, they knew, Jesus knew, it was God who had told them. They wanted to know where this power came from, this delegated authority. It was from God. Well, look what Jesus does in the next verse. It's a very interesting thing. And we see in verse 29, Jesus replied, Well, I'll ask you one question. Well, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It was a very common thing when in rabbinical debate that you would take a question somebody gave you and throw another question back to them. In other words, you would divert what they're asking you and you would give them another question. Well, what do you think about it? This is exactly what Jesus does. He just says, okay, I've caught the ball and I'm throwing the ball back in your court. Look what he says. Answer me and I will tell you by what, there's that word again, authority I am doing these things. And here was his question to them. John's baptism, John the Baptist, was it from heaven or from men? Tell me. That's a simple question. So he bounces it back to him. Now I'm going to give you five keys. Number one, all authority comes from God. All authority comes from God. Notice in verse 30, you see a very important principle. Jesus takes the Jewish leaders back a little over three years ago and he says to them, John the Baptist, was his authority from heaven or was John the Baptist basically doing his own thing? So all authority is either of two places. It's either from heaven, from God, and we're trying to please God and obey him because he is the ultimate authority. Or Jesus says, it was from John the Baptist, man's authority. Was John the Baptist getting his ability to minister from God, or when John the Baptist set up his ministry in Israel, did he come up with a little sign that said, John the Baptist Ministries, Inc., and I'm the guy. I'm setting my own place up, and you guys need to obey me. This is the question Jesus asked them. So when you look at this, what he's really saying is, when you look at John the Baptist, was he doing his own thing, or did it come from heaven? Now, by doing this, Jesus was saying something very important. How close were Jesus and John the Baptist? Well, they were cousins. They were very close. You remember when Jesus came to be baptized, John the Baptist said to the people as they watched Jesus come, Whoa! Behold! The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then John the Baptist baptized Jesus. So what Jesus was implying by this is, Whatever answer you give about John the Baptist is going to apply to my power and authority too. If you say it's from man, then that's where I got my power. But if you say it's from God, that's where I got my power too because I identify with the ministry of John the Baptist. You got it? So they knew underneath this question, they were answering the question they'd asked Jesus. But he kind of took them around a corner and faced them with it. Look at verse 31. I love it. They discussed it among themselves and said, I would have loved to have been there to hear it. If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why don't you believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. 
Well, Jesus just takes the box that they put him in and he goes, hello, and he put them in a box. Let's look at the two options. Number one, all authority and reign comes from God. All right, now, <laughs> let's think about it. If they say that John the Baptist was a prophet from God, then they know that Jesus is going to say this. Well, then why didn't you do what John the Baptist asked? Because when John the Baptist saw the religious system of Israel, he said to those scribes and the Pharisees, the priests, the preachers of those days, you guys are a brood of vipers. In other words, you're useless. You don't even know God. You need to repent. That was John the Baptist's whole teaching. Repent and be right with God. So Jesus is going to say to them, if you say that was John the Baptist's ministry and his authority came from God, then when he asked you to repent, why didn't you repent? They knew they were in trouble. In fact, when John the Baptist got put in prison, they didn't do a thing about it. They just left it go because they were angry at God. So the next option is no better. They're backed in again. The second option is this. If they say John the Baptist has his own authority, that he hung a shingle out that said John the Baptist Ministries, Inc., then they know that the people are going to think what? You don't know. You know. It says right in the verse. What were the average person on the street? When you mention the average person on the street, if I would go on with a mic in those days and say to you, John the Baptist, I'd just take a work through you and I'd say, John, was he from God or, or was he a self-made minister? What would the average guy in the street say? He's a prophet from God. So these guys knew, if we do this, we're in trouble with the people. In fact, the book of Luke, which tells us the same passage of Scripture as we're talking about here, the book of Luke says they were afraid that the people were going to stone him if they said he's a self-made man. So where does it leave him? It leaves them in a very difficult place. So what do they do? Look at verse 33. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Did they know? Oh, yes, they knew. But they were boxed in. They had no way to answer. So they were lying. They were hoping to save face. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says, Well... Since you won't answer, neither will I, in verse 33, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. Now, some people look at that and say, well, Jesus isn't being fair. He's not answering their question. Here's why Jesus was not answering their question. It's an important principle for you to understand. The Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, were not looking for answers. They had already made their mind up about Jesus. They were not seekers. They had already determined they were going to kill Jesus. Now, what does it say to you and I? It says this. Some of you are here this morning, and you're seeking God. It's wonderful. People are what? Seeking, truly seeking God. They're looking for answers to life. So when the word is presented, and they see the word, and it's given, they make a choice. Were these guys seeking? Not a chance. So here's what happens. If you're witnessing to a friend or a neighbor, and they're really seeking God, here's what God's Word says. If you seek me with all your heart, I will be found. 
How many know that's true in your life? When you sought God, He found you. He was there. So what this verse says, what Jesus did here is something you need to do. As you continue to witness to a person and you know they're playing games with you. Sometimes I'll have people come in the office and they got this list about this long of things. They're not seeking God. They're just trying to find answers to funny questions that somebody's given or whatever. And as I go through them, I can tell there's no sincerity at all. Do you know what I do? I don't waste my time with them. Why? Because their life is not open. I'll spend my time with somebody that's genuinely seeking God. So Jesus says, forget it. I'm not even going to answer your question because you're not genuinely seeking. Now, where did this, this abuse of authority come from in the church, in the Jewish church? How could a church that God had set up initially be devoid of God's authority, where man totally took over the authority and left God out? How could it happen? Well, we're going to look at four or five different things today. We're going to look in the beginning of time. We're going to look at a story in the Old Testament. We're going to go to the New Testament to take a quick review of a story. We're going to look at 1998, September, where we're right at. And we're also going to look at the end of time with authority and power. Here's number two. God's authority is expressed by His Word, the Bible. All authority comes from God. Well, how does that authority get expressed? It's expressed through the Word of God. Now, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. As you're doing that, let's quickly review. You say, well, how do you mean all authority came from God? Well, it's very easy. The first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, God. That was the authority. He still is. We do know that during that time frame that we don't know when it was or how it was, Satan, an angel, decided he would rebel against God's authority. And he did that, and God kicked him basically out of heaven. Now God creates Adam and Eve, first humans. He gives them what we call today free will. He didn't want robots. He wanted people that would look at his authority and go, it's okay, I like God, I'll serve God, I'll obey God. So he creates Adam and Eve. Let's look at the first expression of God's authority through his word in chapter 2, verse 16. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man. Notice it doesn't say the Lord God suggested to Adam, here's something you might want to think about. It was a command. How can God command? Because all authority comes from God. People today say, well, you really sure? Yes, I'm sure. Here's the first expression, the words of God, the Bible, which is God's mind to us, to Adam. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely Die. Verse 16 is absolute truth. And here were the choices Adam and Eve could make. Submit to the authority of God, expressed how? By his word, by his commands, or rebel against it. Well, let's see what choice they made. Look in the next chapter, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent who is Satan, who has been kicked out of heaven, he's already rebelled against God, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. 
And he said to the woman, did God really say? One of your subpoints under two should be this. Satan always attacks the authority of the word of God. Satan always attacks the authority of the word of God. Notice he says, Satan says to Eve, did God really say? In other words, no, you didn't hear him correctly. Now, what happens in your life? It's still happening today. We'll show you that shortly. What happens today is this. Once you begin to doubt God's word, you're on dangerous ground. You see, since God's the authority, he's the one that set up his word. I have no role in doubting his word. Is the word being doubted even in churches today? Everywhere. Early on in his ministry, Billy Graham tells in his book, his autobiography, Just As I Am, a great story. And it goes basically like this. As he was studying God's word, there were parts he couldn't explain. He knew many parts were true, but he couldn't explain some parts. And he went into the forest one day and he got on his knees with the Bible and he said, God, I'm supposed to be your messenger. There's parts I know definitely are true. There's other parts I know they're true, but I don't understand them. What can I do about it? And here's what he came away with. He said to God, I know that we see through a glass darkly. By the way, we still do today. There's parts of it I can't explain to you. Nobody can. When we get to heaven, we'll understand all of it. But we have enough to know to get to heaven and that God loves us. So here's what Billy Graham said. God, I'm going to accept this word as 100% true from you. I will never, ever doubt it. And he's never turned back. Did God honor his ministry? Maybe a little. He honored it. Why? Because he honored his word. So Satan will cause you to doubt God's word. Next, look what happens. And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat from the trees in the garden. In other words, she understood God's command. It was clear to her. But God did say, here's the command, there's the authority again, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, which is true, and you must not touch it, which is not true, or you will die. Eve added to God's word. God never said anything about touching it. You do not want to, number one, doubt God's word. You definitely don't want to add to God's word. We have people today that add to God's word. The cults, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, two great keys. They're adding to God's word. You'll see the commercials of the Mormons. Here's God's word. And beside it, a wonderful book of Mormon. You don't want the book of Mormon. That's totally man's ideas. Has nothing to do with the authority of God. It's false. And it eventually come, initially came from Satan. This you want. This is God's word. So notice here the third thing that happens. Verse 4. Here's what Satan said. Well, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. So not only does he attack the authority of the word of God, but Satan contradicts the truth of the word of God. In today's message, Jesus spoke to his disciples about baptism and who gives the authority to baptize in the name of the Lord. He commands them to do so in his name, just as we should ask in the name of the Father. 
Only he can give us the right to exercise his power. That authority, as we learned, is expressed by his word. From the beginning, the enemy has tried to steer us away from the word, away from the truth. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll hear about the ways that Satan is trying to draw people away from the truth by attempting to discredit his word, by adding to it, subtracting from it, or just distorting it completely. Satan even finds a way to twist the words God spoke in the garden when he deceives Eve at the tree. There are only two responses to his word, and we'll see how those choices play out in the case of King Jeroboam. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 